Yeah. My name is Chris, and uh, I'm just so thankful that we have had the opportunity to experience what we have. You are part of about 2 billion people today who celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. All around the world, all sorts of different people, all sorts of different traditions, all sorts of different styles of worship, all sorts of different places pointing to Jesus and his resurrection today. And today, you got up, you got dressed, you sang songs, we prayed, we heard testimony, we saw baptisms, and now you're like, it's 11.33, Chris, and you're standing up to talk to me. I've got plans. I know you do. Give me a few minutes here, and uh, we are going to uh, talk about just briefly the difference that Easter makes. And my words are going to fall short to what just happened here, and what happened with the testimony, and what happens in you and through you. You have witnessed resurrection this morning. We talk about Jesus' resurrection. We know Jesus resurrected, but we witnessed it in the lives of people in front of us here today. And maybe you came here today saying, I know the story, I know what to expect, I know how this unfolds. Or maybe you come here and you're like, all these other people, they can believe in this Jesus character and they can believe in resurrection, but it's not for me. Or maybe you come here today and you say, I have trusted people, I have trusted God, but I feel let down by people or God or both. And we recognize that there are all sorts of people here. And we sit here today and we watch this life change and we hear stories, but then you think, oh man, tomorrow I go back to school, I go to work, I go back to my same life situation. This is good here and now, but it doesn't translate outside these walls. And then you start to think about culture wars and online bashing and cancel culture and attacking one another and violence and war and poverty and disease and environmental issues and a divisiveness and corruption and intolerance and isms and all sorts of things. And then you're like, I just feel powerless against these forces of death all around me. And you may be saying too, Chris, I was so far away from all those things. I was thinking about what was happening here and now you brought those back up. But resurrection doesn't just happen here, and we talk about it here, and then you go live your life. Resurrection carries over outside of these walls when you walk out of this place. Now, for many of us, we can, we can feel this powerlessness, and we just say, well, it's easier not to hope. It's easier not to invest. It's easier not to walk down these paths, because I'm just going to be let down again. I'll just go with my negativity, my pessimism, my cynicism. I'll just say there's ugliness and brokenness around me and in me, and, and, and uh, being optimistic and hopeful and seeing the goodness and the beauty, uh, is it worth it? But I want to tell you there's hope because of what Jesus did, why we gather this day. In Matthew 28, you're welcome to turn there or it'll be on the screen. I'm going to encourage you to look at this a little bit closer later. But I want to share, this is a passage where Jesus' disciples are going to the tomb, specifically Mary and Mary are going to the tomb and this is after Jesus was crucified, after he was arrested and tried and, and hung on the cross. And when Mary and Mary went to the tomb that day, did they expect to find death or life? Death, right? Death. Human, Jesus, they saw him, and he was dead. They watched him die. They buried him. They didn't go expecting life. They didn't expect with any sort of hope. They just went saying, this is the reality. There's death around me. And can you imagine their thoughts as they processed throughout this weekend? I really, I remember these things he said. I can't believe I believe that. And people around them probably mocking them saying, oh yeah, you're some of those Jesus followers. Yeah, he's dead. 
And they go to the tomb carrying so much that morning. And in Matthew 28, it says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Now, maybe you are super spiritual and super godly, and you would have been there that morning and been like, yeah, I believe everything. I'm there. Yep, Jesus. I think I would have just stood there going, what in the world are you telling me? What am I experiencing? This mixture of death and this mixture of hope, this mixture of doubt and this mixture of possibility. But this is what we live in every day in our life. This doubt and darkness and concern and brokenness, but yet there's this hope that's there as well. And there's a tension that Mary and Mary encountered that morning that we encounter every single day. Continues. Verse 8. The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. The mixture, fear and joy. What was and what could be. What appears to be true and even what appears to be true, even though it contrasts that reality. It goes on to tell how other people responded to Jesus' resurrection. But this narrative is one that mixes hope and cynicism. Hope, is it true that Jesus is who he says he is? Is it possible that he's the son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he died and that he rose again? But then cynicism, which is really the flip side of hope. No, I can't trust. I can't trust God. I can't trust people. And it manifests itself in negativity and skepticism and contempt and scorn. We've talked recently in our theology class that we're walking through, there's a number of us that are in, is talked about salvation and how salvation, the gospel, is good news versus good advice. See, good news is something that's been done for us. We read about it. It's done. Good advice is something that you have to do. You should do this. You should act this way. You should do this. And what we do as followers of Jesus sometimes, or or even people investigating Jesus, is I just need to do more, and I treat the gospel, I treat Easter, I treat resurrection as advice to follow versus good news that it's been done for me and I need to rest in it. No matter what brokenness or death or pain is in my life, I rest in this good news. It's a mixture of joy and fear that Mary and Mary experienced. Even later on, when the disciples encounter Jesus in verses 16 through 18, there's this this great passage is that when they saw him in verse 17, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Again, maybe you're the type that would be right there worshiping. I would be doubting. I'll be completely honest. No, this can't be true. This doesn't make sense. And Jesus, in verse 18, it says, then Jesus came to them. He didn't just come to the worshipers. He came to the doubters as well. So if you're here today, and you've got that cynicism edge, that doubt edge, Jesus comes to you. If you're the worshiper, you're full abandoned, like, I'm totally on board. Jesus comes to you. 
Because hope is not a feeling or an emotion. Hope is a person. A person in Jesus who beat death. And hope is anchored in resurrection. Hope is the antidote to cynicism. See, when we're hopeful, cynicism dies. But when we're cynical, hope dies. Just think of experiences in your life where you've been cynical, your hope is dying or dead. But where you're hopeful, cynicism just gets smashed. And it's in Jesus that we put our trust. In our world around us, you, me, people outside these walls are hungry for hope. There's enough pessimism and gloom and fighting and brokenness. And as followers of Jesus, we should be the most hope-filled people in the world and the most least cynical people in the world. But cynicism is becoming a default for Christians. We're called to be hopeful, hopeful. And Jesus fuels that transformation. He shows that it's possible. His love, his forgiveness, his grace, his different way of living. Where the cynic says our world is full of trouble and sin and there's just no hope, so we just gotta push through and make it through. A cynic says addicts can't change. A cynic says our schools are way too broken to teach or invest in or be on a school board or anything. A cynic says the community is too divided for harmony. Why try? A cynic says our small group, our community group, is not going to make a difference, so should we keep meeting? A cynic says an Easter sermon is not going to change anyone's life. That ran through my mind so many times this last week or two. A cynic says this marriage cannot turn around, and Jesus says, watch me. All right? Watch what hope can do. Watch what is possible. Even in that situation, if you lean into that cynicism in the situation, watch what Jesus can do. It may not unfold exactly as you want or you desire, but Jesus is working. Are things a mess around us? Sure. Jesus reigns. Are you only one person? Absolutely. So am I. Jesus reigns. Is injustice and oppression and pain and brokenness real? Absolutely. The kingdom of God is slowly unfolding around us where his will is done. And death did not, does not, and will not have the final word. Will not. The women went to the tomb to find death, but they witnessed resurrection, experienced hope. Now this weekend, Good Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, may explain your life right now. Friday is a, a day of death, of brokenness. You may be there. Saturday is a day of silence, of waiting, of confusion, of like, what in the world is going on? And Sunday, the day of resurrection. See, there has to be death, there has to be waiting, and there has to be resurrection. You may be on Friday, you may be on Saturday, you may be on Sunday. But resurrection comes when we're walking with Jesus. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Maybe that's something you needed to hear this morning. I needed to hear that about a month or two ago. Someone shared this verse with me because I was at that point of saying, is it worth it? Is it worth it? This labor, this effort, is it worth it? Paul said our labor is not in vain. So when cynicism or disappointment or death or brokenness comes to your door, be reminded of the resurrection of Jesus. Because at the end of this passage in Matthew 28, Jesus says, hey, I'm giving you all authority. All authority in heaven and earth is, is, is given to Jesus, and he's saying, I'm sending you out. 
Go make disciples. Go teach, baptize, be led by the Holy Spirit. And he says that I'm always with you. And here's the deal. Resurrection happened. And we look back at it and we celebrate it. But resurrection still happens. Right? We witnessed that today. Patty, Dom, Tori, Jimmy, Stephen, Ian, Sophia, Lucas, Caleb, Gibbon, Madeline, Cody, Emma, you. Hebrews, the Lord reminds us that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Jesus goes ahead of us. We have this hope as an anchor. Recently, a friend of mine shared this passage with me, and I'm going to wrap up with this. Shared from Matthew 11. It's a familiar passage, but they shared it with me in the message. It's one of my favorite groupings of verses in the message. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and recover your life. Jesus is saying this. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It's rest in the good news, what Jesus has done. Not advice. You're always chasing that next spiritual high, that next pat on the back, that next accomplishment. And when it doesn't come, it converts to cynicism. Respond to the good news. Respond in hope. We're going to sing a song and invite those who are going to lead us to come. It's an old classic hymn you've probably sung on Easter before. But I want to invite you to really pray these words, listen to these words, respond to these words. Some of the words say this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. So I want to invite you today to wrestle with this reality, the hope or cynicism when it comes to Jesus. Where are you at with Jesus? Have you responded to the good news? Have you responded to the hope found in Jesus? During this song, you can listen to the words and sing the words, but maybe it's your time to pray to, to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to tell him, I am a sinner, I'm trying to do it on my own, but I want to follow after you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Pray that, and Jesus, he hears these words. God responds to this. Maybe for you, you've just been walking on your own, and it's this recommitment opportunity of trusting in you. I'm leaning on you. You are my hope. So would you stand? Would you sing these words out? Would you pray during this time?